Exodus chapter 11. Yahweh said to Moses, I will bring yet one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt, and afterwards he will let you go. When he lets you go, he will surely thrust you out altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man ask of his neighbour and every woman of her neighbour and every, uh, yeah, ask of her neighbour jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Yahweh gave the people favour in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Moses said, This is what Yahweh says, About midnight I will go out into the middle of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of livestock. There will be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been, nor will be any more. But against any of the children of Israel, a dog won't even bark or move its tongue against man or animal, that you may know that Yahweh makes a distinction between the Egyptians and Israel. All these servants of yours will come down to me and bow down themselves to me, saying, Get out with all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. He went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh won't listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, but Yahweh hardened his heart and he didn't let the children go out of his land. That was the shortest chapter in the book of Exodus. It's only 10 verses. And um, it's interesting because you've got all these chapters, this is chapter 11, that are 29, 30, 31 verses, and all of a sudden, a chapter with 10 verses. <laughs> it's just so short. And next chapter is going to be 51 verses. So it's funny. You know, we're averaging around the 29, 30, but all of a sudden we have a short chapter, and then the next one, a really long chapter. And the reason for this is because of a man called Stephen Langton who lived about 800 years ago. In the 1200s, he was an archbishop, and he thought it would be easier if we could split the whole Bible into chapters. And um, no one had done that before. At that point, it was books only, and you would just have to sc scroll through the scroll or scroll through your manuscript until you found the spot, and you kind of had to know it fairly well. And, um, but after chapters, it was much easier to say, well, in you know, Exodus chapter 11, this is what happened. <laughs> and uh, so the, the books themselves are the work of, you know, of authors inspired by God, but the chapters, well, I'm not sure whether God had a role in inspiring where the chapters fell or not, but they're definitely the work of Stephen Langton. And sometimes it's really helpful. I mean, it's definitely helpful being able to say, go to Exodus chapter 11 or something like that. But sometimes he splits up the chapters or he split them up in places which gives you the feeling that we're now moving on to a different subject, but we're not. So there's some parts of the Bible, like say, for example, in the book of Romans especially, where it's really like a continuous subject, but because of a new chapter, you think it's a new subject and you don't realize that what was said before kind of connects. 
And so, um, like the start of Romans chapter 12 is a, is a great example of that. You know, therefore, it, it's a, whenever you see a therefore, it's, it's connecting to previous things. But a lot of people don't twig to that and they think it's like a new idea. So, and I'm, if I was to put my mind and, and back to being Stephen Langton and say, why did he make one chapter shorter, Exodus 11, and the next chapter longer, Exodus 12? It's because the next chapter is about Passover. And I think he wanted to try to get the whole Passover theme into one block, which he did. And so next chapter is going to be longer. But uh, anyway, in this chapter, which does not contain a lot, um, Moses is finally told by God that there's going to be one more plague, and this time Pharaoh's going to listen. In fact, he's not only going to listen, he's going to thrust you out. <laughs> so get ready to go. <laughs> kind of like buckle up. You know, you're about to be launched. And he tells um, the Israelites to ask the Egyptians for gold, for items of silver and items of gold, and they do. Now, if you're familiar with Egyptian archaeology, you know that every now and then they discover something like a tomb of a pharaoh or something that's full of gold or fabulous things. And the, the obviously best example is the tomb of Tutankhamun or Tutankhamun. And he, um, that death mask of his is fabulous. The gold and the intricate work. Well, this is Egyptian gold. And this is what we're talking about right here. We're talking about the gold and the jewels of Egypt. And it, the Israelites, they asked their neighbors for this stuff and they took it with them. And it says that Moses was, was considered very great. And you know, previously to this, Pharaoh was seen as like a god. And this is in the thinking of these people. They see a leader as almost like being a god. So now, even though the Bible doesn't say it, the perception of many of these Egyptians is that Moses is like a god. And even the Israelites that leave, we're going to see this a bit later, they perceive Moses as kind. They know he's not God, but they kind of see him as being like God. And so that's what it means when it says he was very great. So when Moses says, ask for these items, and Moses is, of course, the one starting and stopping the plagues, all the people of Egypt are uh, really anxious to have them go, so they give them their wealth. And there's something very, very interesting about this because it's a picture of our salvation. We often think, as Christians, you know, we've been saved from hell and we're really grateful for that. But we don't realize that we've been given everything else. And um, the Bible says, you know, that, that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. We can't even imagine all that God has planned for us. And so it's not just being saved. The things that God has planned for us are, are unimaginable. They're incredibly good. And it's, this is a little picture of it here. God doesn't just deliver these people from slavery. They get the gold and the riches of Egypt to take with them. So you've got the poorest people in Egypt that take the wealth of Egypt and they go with them. They go out into the desert and they're fabulously wealthy. And this is where they get all the resources that they use to build the tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant is built out of this gold. And uh, the, the table of, you know, like the, the tables and the furniture, all these things that we're going to read about later in Exodus and Leviticus, which are made of gold, it's Egyptian gold. And of course, the golden calf is also made of Egyptian gold. And we'll get to that a little bit later. So God said he was going to have his way, and he does have his way. And in our lives, 
he has his way too. And we don't want to be people who get to the point where God has to force us to do what he wants. We want to be people who willingly do what he wants, don't we? Um, I, that's what I want to be. So, Lord, I ask that we would be um, the people that receive the gold. <laughs> Lord, the people that receive your salvation, but also the ones that receive your blessings. And, Lord, right now, we, in this moment, we take faith. And I want to say to you, Lord, give us our inheritance. I know that we have an inheritance in heaven. I know that there are fabulous and things beyond our imagination waiting for us. But, Lord, there's also treasures and riches for this life too. Bring us into your promises, I pray. Let us inherit the blessings of the Lord. Amen.